TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. From our studios here at Baldwin Media, um, this is Ann Baldwin. And, you know, we all know the world has changed, so my co-host is working very safely from home. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. How are you? Hanging in there, you know, it's um, it's an interesting time, isn't it? I hope I never see this again in, uh, in my lifetime, in our lifetime. It's really scary. It really is. And, you know, as the president and CEO of a very large nonprofit agency that serves so many different kinds of clients, this has to be especially difficult, you know, not only for your employees, but for your clients as well. Yes, it's, um, you know, my staff are you know, the unsung heroes um, working in 24-hour residential programs and providing outpatient services also. They're showing up at work and we're using all the precautions we need to. You know, I think for me, the hardest part of all of this is is the mental struggle, right? Trying to keep that positive attitude and just trying to, you know, remain confident that this is going to come to a conclusion and a resolution. You know, when I think about Nico, your son, it's a senior year mm-hmm. of high school school um what that must be like but you were just talking to him before we started the program and he was heading out by himself and I said where is he going and you said he's going fishing (laughs) and today they don't have any school although you know he goes to Immaculate High School and they've been wonderful and he's been on the e-learning so they're all set up etc but you know for other you know high schools they may not is lucky but they're I mean they're trying to set that up but he keeps saying to me I'm not going to have a graduation I'm not going to have a prom I'm not 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 and just trying to keep it positive because you know we will get through this and I'm hoping that at some point the school all the schools around um, in Connecticut will you know do something even if it's a later date for our seniors I don't think even I understood you know the severity of this issue until it continues to unfold you know i was i was away in texas texas putting the final touches on my daughter's wedding which was supposed to be april 11th and so i wasn't really paying attention to the news like i usually do and it's really bad and you know what i told her they had one date left the end of august i said you guys should grab that you know it really is impacting 
you know, not only the financial and the health and the well-being, but, you know, life events. We will get through it, but it won't be easy. But it's just the fear of getting sick and possible ending up in the hospital. You know, my heart breaks for you because I know your mother's so far away in Florida and you've got that distance between you. My dad, thankfully, you know, 85 and not doing well is up the street. But that's the other consideration is so many people that are out there, you know, I'm grateful that at least I'm here to be with him. And, you know, I know you have people down in Florida that are watching after your mother, but it's not the same as knowing that you can go and and see them and make sure yourself that everything's okay. And you try not to whine and complain about everything, but it's hard, isn't it? You know, if you're a social person and, you know, you like to see people and interact and, you know, go to the go to the dry cleaner, go to meet a friend for coffee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these kind of things that you start kind of take for granted. You know, you can't even have a church service for someone now. You can't even have, go to the funeral home and have families mourn the loss of a loved one right now. I mean, every aspect of life from birth. I mean, I'm in a building here in New Britain where we've got an OBGYN upstairs and I see these women who, you know, have to be oh, ready God. to go. That's and I, so and my heart, my heart breaks. It's like, how is that going to work out? You know, it's, it's just, it's so sad from that stage of life all the way to the end of life and everything in between. I've, I can't imagine. Well, yeah, I, do. I have seen, I mean, I know some women that are pregnant and they're, you know, due soon and they're, you know, they already have been told that they're going to have to be going on the, by their by themselves. They're not going to be able to have their, you know, husband or significant other or whoever was going to be in there with them. And, you know, I know a couple of two women that are really upset about that. And If there's any humor that I've kind of found in this situation, you, you know, you've heard, Lisa, um, about how a lot of supermarkets and Costco and Sam's Club have opened up their um, stores early for people over 60, right? Yeah. We're not there yet. I know. (laughs) We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Almost there, but we're not there yet. And it's funny because I don't know how things are going in other communities, but, you know, part of our neighborhood Facebook group, they've had all these stories and pictures of, of all these seniors you know, just lining up outside the door and fighting with each other and yelling at the people at the store that they don't have what they said they would have. And, you know, they're just being very, very ornery. And it's kind of surprises me because I would think that that generation um, has kind of been through some of the stuff before, right? And that they would be a little more sensitive to what's happening, but I guess they're not. I know. I guess guess they're not. Well, you know, the other thing, it was was good chatting and catching up with you, Lisa, but we also have um, a guest for the second half of our show. Yes, we do. And he's one of our favorite guys, right? Yes, he is. He's Daryl McGraw. Welcome. Hey, how are you guys? We're hanging in there. Daryl's got a very interesting job. He's a senior reentry analyst with the Institute for Municipal and Regional Planning at Central Connecticut State University. Um, he's also just, he's an author. He's all over Facebook. I got to tell you first, before uh, Lisa and I start chatting with you, Daryl, I loved the photograph that you put on Facebook the other day where you said the view and you had, it was like from a jail cell, you know, with the, all the barbed wire of somebody in a corrections facility. What a powerful black and white photo that is. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was my, it, it reminded me of the view that I had for, like, it's been 10 years of my life in and out of the Department of Corrections. So looking out of your window or looking out of my window, a lot of times uh, all I saw was razor wire. So that 
that you're reminding me of that was my view for 10 years. Oh, my friend. I just, I, you're just so inspirational. Uh, well, I really just want people to really think about the individuals that are incarcerated, you know, um, where during this hard time, um, being incarcerated um, during this time is, is, is probably pretty scary for many people that are locked behind bars because they just don't know. I mean, they get a little bit of the news, but, you know, a lot of times the system, um, a lot of times what happens is they go into either a complete lockdown where everything is, there's no movement, or a modified lockdown where, you know, you're, you're, you can move from here to there, but you really, there's no visits, there's no outside visits, there's nothing like that. And I remember that and happened to, and I'm a volunteer now. And volunteers, you know, for the safety of everyone, we're not allowed to go inside either. So they're getting very limited information from the outside world. Um, okay. if they, especially if they don't have loved ones or someone to um, call or write or what have you. And if they're on lockdown, then they can't use the phones and so on and so forth. So, you know, yeah, though, Daryl, I, I would to think about Daryl, I would think, though, that, um, you know, the population is probably... I hate to say it, but in a safe place, right? So if, if or we're not, because some are coming in and, and some are going out. And I know because of your position, Daryl, that um, you keep in contact with a lot of inmates and you do do a lot of volunteer work there. So you don't think that right now they're in a safe place at all? Well, I think it's, 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 it's funny. It's safe, but until it's not, right? Um, the fact that when we, when I was inside and if someone got sick, if someone got the flu, if the flu started going around the jail, it went pretty rampant and everybody got the flu. It wasn't a matter of if, it was more so like everyone's saying now, when you got it, because of the way the ventilation systems are set up and, you know, the close contact. So, yeah, everyone's fine right now, but if, if someone were to get sick and, the, uh, and COVID-19 were to get inside the prison, it would just be a matter of time how many people actually got um, infected with the virus, you know, because of the close contact. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, like even with the flu now, if your celly gets to the, they quarantine people and then they end up having to, like, if I get it, my celly's got it, and we're sometimes whole blocks are like, you know, on quarantine or people like are in their cells and stuck in their cells. And it's already bad enough to, you know, have to be in your cell for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are telling us to, like, kind of, quarantine in our house but imagine quarantine in a cell you know um i remember being incarcerated and there was a stomach virus and we were all on lockdown because we weren't sure we weren't sure if it was food poisoning or if it was a stomach virus but imagine being trapped in a cell where you and your celly basically are you know i don't want to be too graphic but you know using the bathroom right back to back like there's no It was it was pretty bad, and you know we were fed in ourselves, and um, it was a, it was a pretty bad time, and um, we couldn't, you know, we, at the time we couldn't call out because you know um, we were just pretty much confined to ourselves, and um, that's kind of what happens when like a national emergency or something happens, everything gets locked down. So if I like, God forbid a CO or something, and we've just we've just seen recently that you know a couple right. of COs, um, a couple of marshals have been. Um, have found out that they've been testing positive, and really the the true way, which is why the DOC has like stopped visitors and so on and stuff coming in, 
because mm-hmm. that's really the only way those individuals who have been doing 10 or 20 years could ever get infected because they don't have contact to the outside world. But if someone to bring it, brings it in and it uh-huh. starts to circulate around in jail, oh, man, that's, that's going to be a problem. So if you're just tuning in, uh, we're with Daryl McGraw, who works very hard at reentry. Um, you did, what, 10 years, Daryl, for what was your crime? Yeah, so I did 10 years on the installment plan, and um, I was in and I was in and out, which means I was in and out of prison numerous times. Everything, um, most of my um, charges were all, they were various charges, but all related to um, substance use. And, um, so the last time I was incarcerated, I was a violation of probation, but all stemming from my um, drug addiction. But you got it together, and you're clean and sober, and now you're giving back. So Lisa and I also wanted to talk to you about, you know, there's been a lot of discussion, not only in Connecticut, but other states, about letting some inmates out, you know, to kind of, you know, not maybe kind of separate folks a little bit more. What's your thought on that? Well, yeah, there are a group of inmates that, so so New York and New Jersey, um, a couple of states have been, a few states, uh, quite a few states have been letting people go, right? Um, number one, the people that they're talking about letting go are like people that are incarcerated on low-level bonds. These are individuals that have not been convicted of a crime yet, right? Mm-hmm. So these are individuals who, are, who may be waiting court, they're on bonds, but because of their financial situation, they can't afford to get out. Um, you know, they're, we're not we're talking about people that you know reach pieces or we're not not even necessarily reach peace. Someone that is there for a five hundred dollar bond, a thousand dollar bond, low level, probably drug drug related. Because many of the majority of the people that are there are for low level, nonviolent drug crimes that could be released back to the to their homes. And one of the things that I emphasize the most on is the fact that. I'm not, I would like, I know there are a lot of advocates that I know are advocating for mass release of individuals, but I would have to say for me that um, I would never advocate for someone being released who doesn't have a place to go. So, yes, some of those individuals that, like in New York, when they looked at it, or New Jersey, when they looked at releasing a bunch of people, they're talking about individuals that just left the street that may have still have. Um, connections with their families they didn't burn any bridges they can go back to a place but we need to be really looking at individuals that have a place to go because i can't even think of anything more fearful than to be released homeless with covid19 going on oh, obvious. and yeah oh my god and no stores uh, shelters are at capacity um yeah that would be a very bad situation for someone who had no place to go so yeah. we need to really identify making sure individuals that do have a place to go. And those individuals that are at the end of their sentence that have, that are identified as homeless, those are the ones that we really should be looking at as priority one and looking at making sure that they transition to a safe place as well, whether that be a shelter or we find some type of transitional housing until we can get a handle on um, our health epidemic that we have going on right now. Daryl, talk, uh, did you see the latest article today about, um, I know that, you know, you talked about, you know, releasing, the thought of releasing folks um, out of our prison system who were low at risk or, you know, who had a a safe place to go, et cetera. Um, 
what are you what are what what are you hearing anything else are you hearing with the inside scoop with with inmates or you know are you in touch with anyone and sort of you know what's how are those how are some of the guys doing that you work with do you know so I do I haven't had any contact with anybody that on the inside but I've had numerous calls emails texts and um, messages from family members and there are people that are eligible uh, there's a DUI, some people who have DUI charges that are, um, they were driving under the influence that are, you know, right. within range to be released. Yeah. Um, right at this point in time, they're not sick, so they're just waiting for some of some of these individuals, according to their family members, they're waiting just for, it's like paperwork. It's just processing of paperwork. And if people aren't at work, so therefore it kind of drags the, like, you know, and, and I know that, you know, I have had numerous conversations with um, people from DOC, and I know that they're working, they're doing their best to release as many people as they can that are eligible. Um, yeah. I think that there's a lot of mixed messages out there in the community, and I know that the public gets a little nervous when they hear the talk of releasing inmates. But we're not talking about releasing someone oh, that, you know, you know, anyone that's violent or that oh, has recently, right. you know, Right, we're talking about individuals that number one probably have not even been, number one haven't been convicted of a crime or have our our has our are within within weeks of being released anyway because they have served their time and they have a place to go. So um, yeah, we just want to be clear about that that you know there's a lot of people. So the families of individuals who are like doing 30 days or 60 or 60 days. From release, they really would love to see their loved ones home, you know, right. especially while they're healthy. But we also advocate that, you know, if there could be, a, you know, we have had some conversations. I've been on some phone calls with um, Yale University and um, some of the medical students that could do some, you know, making sure that um, that that their health is that they're healthy, being transitioned, or if they have any health issues, that we make sure we connect them to the right, um, you know, to the right people. Well, you know, the other thing is, Daryl, I've been on, I've been on both sides of this. My, my father was a longtime CO, corrections officer. So, you know, I, I lived that and heard the stories and frankly didn't have a whole lot of compassion for people who are incarcerated because, you know, I had my own perceptions from another uh, vantage point until a friend of mine became incarcerated and um, I went to visit him on a couple of occasions, and I had a whole new understanding of isolation and, you know, just the barbed wire and the going through the metal detectors and getting, t- you know, um, frisks on your way in just to sit across the table from somebody. So I have a whole new, but you know, there's a lot of people out there, and understandably, that you know, don't have a lot of compassion for people who've been convicted of crimes. You said, well, maybe they haven't gone to court yet, so they haven't been convicted, but they're where they're at for a reason. But you're talking about not hardcore criminals getting out. What advantage does that give other than the obvious and that they won't be as cramped in into the space? Well, the advantage that it gives, it gives DOC an opportunity to free up some space if they do have to quarantine individuals like that are not eligible for release so they're going to need bed space to be able to individuals that are not eligible for release they're going to need space 
for those individuals and then the individuals that can go home can go home and connect with their families and be there and they're not at risk. So you hear a lot of advocates saying that people would be at risk. They're the most vulnerable population. Because like I said, once something like that were to transpire in the um, in the system, like if something were to start going around, it, it runs rapid within the system. So therefore there would be that, um, that issue. Mm-hmm. So it, you would be actually at risk of exposing somebody who's going home in 30 days when we could, if that person's fine, we can let that person go now and so on and so forth. And we don't have to risk that person getting infected inside. And then no matter what, in 30 days, that person has to be released because DOC can't keep him any longer because he he served his time. Right. So why not? Um, There's a win-win in releasing individuals that are eligible. Lisa, you know, uh, Lisa, the connection works closely. Um, you have a reentry program um, within the connection. Does this at all impact you? And is, have you all thought about what if they do start releasing these inmates? What is that going to mean for your services? Well, right now we um, we're full, we're you know filled to capacity, and you know we're serving um, folks that are on work release, and you know unfortunately a lot of those guys are not working now because they worked in you know, restaurant or, you know, other businesses where, you know, some restaurants have, restaurants have closed, et cetera. But we'll be there. You know, we're still providing services. Nothing has stopped at this point. So um, we're just going to have to see wh- how it, you know, how it plays out. I I don't anticipate there won't be services. Um, you know, we're not, we're not shutting down, obviously, because there's a need. We're not going to be releasing folks in our programs right now we're maintaining um our services so i think we'll just have to see we're not there yet right there's just so many unknowns well daryl we've got um just about 45 seconds left of this conversation which has been great what's the message you want to leave for our listeners what would you like folks to think about when it comes to those that are incarcerated during this coronavirus disaster well, I think that I would say that, you know, similar to what you were saying, like, you know, there's a misconception about individuals that are inc- incarcerated. Yep, definitely somebody, some people have made some mistakes. I myself have made some very poor choices and found myself incarcerated. But one of the things that we can't lose sight on is the fact that each and every one of those people are human beings and they deserve to be treated as such with dignity and, and respect and the fact that you make a mistake um, and you and you find yourself incarcerated, that makes you no less human than anybody else. So I just really would like for us to keep the um, the thoughts on those individuals that they are not just inmates; they're mothers, brothers, sons, sisters, and husbands and community members. And we should always think of them like that, and nothing less. You know, oh, and I thank you for that. That is wonderful. And you know, there's always, oftentimes, there's underlying issues like substance abuse. No excuse, but Mental and their health diff- and right. other issues, trauma, yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. so... Oh, trauma, everything. There's a ton of reasons how people end up. And then there's people that end up getting arrested, and the police are not always right, and end up individuals have... That's why we have trials, and that's why we have court. So there's people in there now that are incarcerated that are not necessarily have done anything. They just don't have the means to get out and properly fight their case from the outside due to their, their financial situation. Right. Well, Daryl McGraw, um, you know, keep up the good work. 
I know that you are you're always there I love if, if folks get a chance like him on Facebook follow him on social media um, because he is a really great advocate and a motivational speaker too I mean I just love the things that you share the you know the inspiration you don't have to be an inmate or former inmate to like what Daryl McGraw says no, oh, Karen, thank you so much it's always a pleasure thank you mm-hmm. Karen, uh, thank you, Daryl, for all the great work that you do and for your friendship and the work that you're doing um, for everyone in the community. And we always love having you on the show, and we're looking forward to having you on again soon. Take care of yourself and practice social distancing. (laughs) I'm practicing right now. Thank you so much, you guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. And you know what time it is now, Lisa? I do. Time, time to, thank, to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye and thank our listeners for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 